0: I'm Rob Norda, and welcome to the Work From Home podcast. Welcome to our very first episode. My name is Rob Norda. I've been working from home for almost a decade. I've worked in the tech field, where online work came quite naturally to almost everyone. And I've also worked in education, where teachers, students, parents... They all had to adapt to working online in a system that's traditionally brick and mortar. I've worked with some businesses close nearby where I could visit with others in person when we needed to. I've also lived in different continents while working for companies and with coworkers all around the world where not only have I been working online and a great distance, but with time difference issues as well. The shift to increased remote working has been taking place for decades. It's becoming more and more popular um, as barriers continue to disappear. Things that used to be very, very difficult, even simple things like online meetings, in the last decade or two have become much more common, much cheaper, and much simpler to implement for all companies. But just within the last few months, we've had a huge influx of people into the work-from-home community who have never had to work from home in the past. It's currently March of 2020, and the COVID-19 pandemic is spreading around the world, and many businesses are no longer meeting in their offices or traditional workplaces and are having employees try to do as much work as they can online so that these businesses can continue to run. This is a really good thing. I'm a huge proponent of working from home, of remote working, but there are definitely difficulties as well. And we do a disservice if we ignore those or pretend that there are no downsides. So that's why I wanted to start this podcast now. I've got a decent amount of experience in this field. Lots of people, lots of close friends of mine are suddenly in this situation and they don't know what to do. I don't know everything about working from home, but I've been doing it for long enough and encountered so many issues myself that I really think I can bring a lot to the table. In this episode, I want to talk about communication. One of the most common issues that I hear time and time again from workers beginning to work from home is that communication is very difficult. This can be communication to them with them not being sure of what they need to do but also communication to others, not being sure how best to inform others what needs to be done or that they've accomplished a certain task. The first step here is to ensure that you have a really clear description of your job and a clear description of other people's jobs. Most companies, most organizations, I think have fairly clear job descriptions for most people. However, there are lots of people that end up kind of being the office gopher. They need to do this, help out on this project for a bit. And it can become a little bit unclear what exactly that job entails. So if you don't know exactly what you need to do, it's very easy to become an online worker who does very little. In contrast, if you know what you need to do and you say, I'm I'm responsible for this, 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 and this, it's very clear to analyze, am I doing my job or not? After you've got a clear job description, you need to make sure you have clear lines of communication. When I've worked in an office in the past, a lot of my communication with coworkers was simply leaning over to the desk next to me, or maybe going and knocking on someone's door. And that can work great when you're all in an office together. But when you're needing to communicate for online work, there are so many potential avenues of communication, you want to be really clear. For instance, in what I do now, email is 95% of my communication. I will email someone, and I know that that is the best way to reach them. There are other ways I could communicate, but those are more situational. Um, I could send them a chat on Google Hangouts. That would be more likely if it's something that's fairly urgent, where I'm assuming they're online, and I just want someone to do something really quickly, but I might not want to wait for them to reply via email. Um, I could text them, I could call them on the phone, I could wait until I have a meeting that they are also in, but being clear about how you're expected to communicate can bring a lot of benefits. If I know that email is the way that I'm supposed to reach people, that becomes my default. If I have something urgent or really important, I can always call or text them, but they'll know that that's only for circumstances a bit out of the ordinary. So, for the rest of this episode, I want to focus on email, because I'm guessing that email is the largest way that most of us communicate online. One breaking point that I had in in my career was when I realized that my job is not to email. I've always known that. I didn't think I was hired to be an email bot, but I realized how often I would spend so much of my working day emailing. And that was not my job. Some of what I was emailing was about my job. But often it was things tangential to my job, and email was a distraction to keep me from really focusing on the important things. I realized that the better I was at emailing, meaning the more effective, the more productive I was at emailing, the better I would be able to do the rest of my duties. So I've got a list of email tips and tricks and just things that I've used Many people will likely have their own, and that's totally fine. The largest thing that I learned was that there was no one way that seemed to give the best results. Many people had vastly different ways of handling their email, and it worked for them. So first and foremost, remember that email is a tool. It's there to help you. If these email tips are making your life terrible, it may not work. But just give some of them a thought... See if it works for you, and I hope it will. For some specific email tips, one thing I love to do is to use shortcuts. Using keyboard shortcuts has saved me so much time. It doesn't seem like it would be a huge thing to not need to go to your mouse, scroll around, click on things, but the quicker you are with the keyboard, the quicker you can respond to things. It's saved me so much time and makes me feel incredibly effective. You don't need to dive entirely into every single shortcut that you can find. But for email, there's a few that can make life so much easier. Probably the most common one that I use is Command Enter, at least for for Gmail. And these may be different based on your email platform. I use Gmail, so that's what I'll be using. Um, But Command Enter, or I believe it's Control Enter on Windows computers, will send your email. So I type up my email, Command-Enter, boom, I've sent it, I don't need to go, reach for the mouse, click Send. Um, That's one that I probably use most often, but other ones that I use often are you can hit R to reply to an email. So if you're looking at an email, you just hit R, it'll start a reply. If you want to reply all, you hit A. F forwards it, and E will archive the email, so you can search for it, but it'll get rid of it. When you're looking at your inbox, you can use J and K to navigate up and down, and X to select a conversation, and you can use C to compose a new email. Feel free to look up more keyboard shortcuts, try to find some that may be useful to you. This is definitely not an exhaustive list. And if they're not already enabled for you, go into the gear icon towards the top right of Gmail and go to settings and enable keyboard shortcuts. If I'm I'm looking at and responding to email... I usually never need to use my mouse, and it makes it so much easier. Again, time-wise, it does save me some time, but I think my favorite benefit is just mentally. I'm sitting there, I keep my hands on the keyboard, I can work through it without continually going, moving my mouse around, finding my cursor, clicking onto something else. Another thing that you can enable in your Gmail settings, again, that's clicking on the gear icon and going through the different settings, is something called Undo Send. So if you send an email, and you suddenly realize, I shouldn't have sent that, you can have a few seconds to hit Undo. I end up using this far more than I ever thought that I would. It's usually not for massive emails where I've resigned my job, and then I hit Undo, and then I say, Oh, actually, I, uh, I like this job. I don't want to leave. And I hit Undo. Often, it's I realize that I forgot to attach something. Or I hit reply and didn't reply all. Or as I send it, I realize that I terribly misspelled something. Just little things like that are the most common use for me of hitting undo, fixing what I need to, and then hitting send again. Another tip, if you're often emailing large groups of people in Gmail, maybe you've got a got a marketing team that you're often emailing everyone on the marketing team about this, just make them a group. You go into your contacts, make them a group, you could call that marketing. So that whenever you go into Gmail to compose a new email, you type marketing, and that will automatically send it to that group in your contacts. That makes it a lot easier to not forget one random person, then that one person doesn't show up to the meeting, that is bad for them, that's bad for you, that makes you look unprofessional. Contact groups can save you a lot of time, and prevent some dumb mistakes from happening. Another relatively new feature of Gmail is called Snooze Emails. When you mouse over your email, over on the right hand side you'll be able to see a little clock icon. And if you click on that, it gives you the option to snooze an incoming email, meaning that it will disappear from your inbox and it will come back at some point in the future. So maybe you're getting an email that you think is important, you definitely need to address it but for whatever reason, you can't write now. One option is to snooze it for later, so it's not cluttering up your inbox, but it will pop back up again sometime in the future. I would recommend not using this too much. It can easily become a tool to procrastinate emails. My rule for myself is I can only have less than five emails snoozed at any given time, and I can only snooze them once. So if I've snoozed them once, and then they show back up, I just need to deal with it. That, in theory at least, prevents me from using the snooze feature too often to procrastinate or put off emails that I really just need to be addressing or deleting. Sometimes you don't need to take action on that email. One final huge email tip that has saved me immense amounts of time and mental energy is using text expansion. There are many different software solutions for this, but the idea with text expansion is emails that you are sending very often that are very similar to each other, just turn it into a template where a lot of that information is completed for you. Gmail has this in the form of templates. If you go into Gmail settings, again, you can go into templates turn those on if they're not on by default and then when you're composing an email down at the bottom you can click to insert a template. So maybe I have a template that I use to collect money from clients that that need to pay me. I find myself typing over and over again it's been nice working with you please make payment to yada yada yada. I can just click that template And it will throw that template up there with most of the information that I'll already need in there. I can then go in and add whatever I want. I can say, you know, insert their name. I can insert the amount they owe me. Insert a paragraph if I want focused on them. But so much of your time is spent addressing emails that you really don't need to be redoing and reworking on all the time. Today's episode is sponsored by the change I found in my couch cushions. Today, I found almost 60 cents, which rounds up to a dollar, which is what a dollar taco costs. Change found in your couch cushions. Use promo code WORKFROMHOME2020 when you pray to the couch gods. You may even find a 32 megabyte flash drive with all of your English assignments from college for some reason. I've also got some more general email tips. And as with the previous email tips, these are not applicable only to people who are working from home, but I find that when I'm working from home, I email more often, clarity and effective email practices become even more important, and often, the less time I spend on email, the more time I can use for myself. The first general email tip that I would highly recommend is blocking out time to answer your emails, rather than answering them throughout the day whenever you're able to. I will admit that I am not very good at this. I check email far more than I should, but I've been trying to get better at just having certain times in the day where I will check email. For me at least, it's really easy to use email as a distraction that ends up ruining other times of the day where I'm kind of on a roll getting other things done. But if I know that at 2 p.m. today I'm checking email for an hour, I don't need to worry about it until then, helps me get a lot more done. This is related to my second tip, which is only handle it once. In certain productivity books and blogs, you might see it called Ohio, for only handle it once. And I really like this because it's changed the way that I approach email. Essentially, it means that if you open up an email, handle it. If you don't have time to deal with email, you really shouldn't be answering email. I'm still not perfect at this, Um, I still will open up an email and see it and say, I don't want to deal with this right now, let me go on to another email that I can address really easily. When I'm doing a good job at this idea, and I'm only handling each email once, my life gets much easier. Email doesn't take more time than it needs to, one of my big flaws in this sense, is I'll often see one email that I just know that I'm dreading, for whatever reason. I know that it will take a long time, or I will have to do a lot of thinking for it, or it's someone that I'm worried about how to respond to. For whatever reason, I will let that email sit there for far too long. And then finally, I will just do it. And usually I end up feeling a lot better after that's gone, after it's done. And so... What I try to do is if I open up an email, I'm going to handle it. That doesn't necessarily mean complete it. It might be something that will take me hours and hours to do and won't fit in the time that I'm allotted to email. Then I'll add it to my to-do list that I use in another you know another system. Um, I'll add it to a meeting I've got coming up, whatever it is, but I will handle it. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean complete it but I'll take care of that email so that I can at least get rid of that email from my inbox and be making progress on it. And of course, then I'll be able to archive it. I know a lot of people have been very good at this for a long time, but I'm always surprised by how many people don't archive their emails, and that has really changed how I see my email inbox. It used to just be a list of emails, and then I would respond to things as they came in. And hopefully I wouldn't miss anything. But since I've started archiving everything, I treat it as a little bit more of a to-do list. If I open it up in the morning and see that I have 20 emails, those are 20 tasks that I need to accomplish. Some of them might be really quick. Sometimes I open an email up and it's some information and I say, cool, I don't need this, I can archive it, boom, I'm done. Sometimes it's something I need to reply to, Sometimes it's something that I'll need to put on to my calendar, put on to my to-do list. But as soon as it's off there, I archive it, and then I'll be able to see I'm not missing any emails. I'm not delaying communication from anything. I'm not holding up information from getting to anybody, especially working online. There can be a big problem when in a live office, you may have been able to say, hey, let me ask Dave about this. And then ask, then, you know, and then he can tell Gary to do this. That can be really quick. But if it's being delayed too much by email, that can be a big problem. So that helps me also make sure other people can do their jobs as quickly as possible. The last tip for emails is one that has saved me a lot of time and has saved a lot of people that I know ridiculous amounts of time as well. And this is applicable Especially for those emails that take a long time to write up and send. Have you ever had those where you're describing how to do something, and it just takes a long time. You need to describe it in a lot of detail, and you think, I wish that I could just have them come to my desk, look at this. Say, look at my computer, this is what I'm doing. And you can, in its own way, with some sort of screen capture software. What I use right now is called Loom. Um, Loom is a browser extension. They've also got a desktop app. Um, I just use it as a browser extension that lets you record your screen and easily attach it as a little video file to emails or wherever you need to put it. So, for instance, someone you know is saying, "Hey, how do I use this piece of software or this website?" I could type out an email and say, "Okay, here's what you need to do. Up at the top of the screen, there will be a button that says this. You click on you click on that. It'll pull up something else." Instead, I can make a Loom video, and in that screencast, I just share my screen so they'll be seeing what I see, hit record, and show them what I'm doing. I can say, hey, go up here, click on file, open, find your file, boom. Whatever it might be, that can be a lot quicker and more effective than trying to describe it. You can even use this if you're not sharing your screen, if it is just something that would be easier for you to talk through rather than type out. You can just make a video of your face, whatever works for you. But it it allows you to choose your entire screen or simply one application that you have open. So it's really handy. Um, It doesn't have to be Loom, that's what I use, but there's a lot of other things that accomplish the same task. That can save you a lot of time. Don't spend more time than you need to on communication or soon communication ends up being your job and you're kind of doing your real job just in those times where you are not communicating with people. I hope you've all been able to learn something and find some actionable items from this. Hopefully you've got a good email system in place and I hope that some of these tips can add to it. And finally, stay curious about these things. If there's some email task or some communication aspect that is taking you longer than you think it should be, Google it. See if there's ways to get around that because chances are you are not the only person that has that problem and sometimes you will find a tool out there that does exactly what you need it to do that will end up saving you a lot of time. I hope you've enjoyed the Work From Home podcast. Have any requests for topics you'd like us to cover? Let us know in the comments, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. Hope to see you next time.